art. It comes in diverse media and is created by even more diverse individuals. From the imaginations of storytellers arise films and novels that capture our hearts. From the joy and pain of lived experience come poems and songs that give voice to inexpressible emotions. And from eyes that see form and beauty in otherwise drab moments come the most vibrant colors ever to grace canvas. Art is inextricably tied to the human experience. From prehistoric cave drawings of our unnamed ancestors to the overwhelming majesty of Michelangelo's Renaissance paintings in the Sistine Chapel. From the oral traditions of the past to the spoken word pieces of today. Art is the way we communicate ideas, esteem values, and affect change. And all of this wrapped up in beauty. Finding and appreciating beauty is part of what makes us human. But what makes art good or bad? Are these simply subjective categories, or is there an objective standard? Can the art we create be evil? Is artistic neutrality possible? All that and more on this edition of Questions from the Pew. Questions from the Pew, the intersection of faith and culture. We're your hosts, Rikers Allen Meta. I'm Lucas Manning. Hey, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for joining us again. Uh, yeah, so we're back um, talking a little about art. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Something yeah. that's near and dear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, art obviously is all around us, it takes place in different forms, always changing, always mm-hmm. evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't really escape it, right? Even this podcast, I guess, it though, it's not just two people talking and then just putting it out on the internet. There's a structure behind it. Right. It yeah. also is that. <laughs> yeah, no. It is that, but is more, that. more than that. There's like musical elements in it. Right. Um, so even the ideas that are communicated in this um, are structured in a way that it is artful. Mm. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's very hard as humans to separate ourselves from art. Yeah, I mean, even the way we structure rhetoric, mm-hmm. I hope that that's relatively skillfully and artfully done. True. Yeah, no yeah. one likes dry speeches. No, <laughs> not at yeah. all. Imagine if Martin Luther King's "I have I have a dream" speech was right. just point blank. I have no a dream. Imagery. Do you? I don't even know. That's the problem. It's so int- like intrinsic. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you can't even separate it. Anyway, all that to say, I think a, I guess a good place to start on this whole morality of art issue um, is what exactly is art. So we've been mm-hmm. kind of hinting at it a little bit. Um, but I guess some of the, I guess some of the distinct qualities of it is one, um, it's an expression of humanity. So it is, you know, kind of distinctly human. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, there's really beautiful things that are created in nature, um, I was looking at like birds nests and stuff of different birds and it like looks really cool or like insect nests and that kind of a thing. I think there's some in Australia like termite nests and they're like a bunch of like panels essentially. Anyway, mm-hmm. they look cool. So there's lots of cool things, you know, created in nature and that kind of thing. Uh, it's not, you know, creation itself. That's mm-hmm. art. Um, but 
you know, whereas nature is more pragmatic in its reasoning for creating things, humans, while we do create, you know, pragmatic, you know, utility type things, we also go beyond that into like the realm of reflection and, uh, and even like ascribing beauty to things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess that's where uh, at least like the reflection on our own experience, like that's how I guess I separate art from like creativity within humans versus creativity in like the animal kingdom or in nature, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and even beyond. Yeah. Cause I definitely agree with you. Right. It's very human ants making their, their homes aren't thinking about architectural design behind what they're doing. Right. They just do birds building their nests. Don't see any beauty per se behind right. it, or at least none that, Right. can be confirmed i guess and while it can be aesthetically pleasing right uh, to us yeah it's not they're not taking that exactly. into consideration yeah so yeah normal. it definitely separates us from um the animal kingdom but to, <laughs> i'm diving right into the theological aspects <laughs> yeah. of this but it links us with the divine right mm-hmm. so like after multiple days of creation god stood back and said it is good mm-hmm. so there was a recognition of of beauty and goodness within his creation there. Um, both, you know, again, there's a pragmatic aspect to it in creating a sustainable environment for creatures. But at the same time, it was also beautiful. It was good. Yeah. Um, so it does, yeah, it separates us and links us at the same time. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, (laughs) Here I am ascribing beauty to your explanation. Wow. Wow. Artception. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. And another thing, too, which just kind of goes back to the human thing, is that it appeals both to reason and emotion. Hmm. Um, I think art is an especially, you know, emotive, I guess, like expression. Not to say that, like we were saying even earlier, like discourse and rhetoric is also art. Um, but some forms of art, you know, maybe like music and film, I guess what you, what you traditionally think of when you think right. of the word art, paintings, right. you know, are, uh, they not only like speak to the, the reason, like, you know, human reason, but they also, I guess like hit something that's more like in the realm of the gut, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, or the heart. Uh, so I think that's, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Um, yeah. One thing too, I think is that, at least in the West, like we don't value emotion like we value reason. Like emotions are something to be tempered and tamed and, you know, get control of your emotions mm. and blah, 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 blah. And I think that that is fair and that emotions shouldn't entirely rule our lives because that would just be, I mean, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Just I'm a type five on the Enneagram, which basically means I don't even know what an emotion is. Not true. <laughs> horrible representation quick plug for pre or later podcast Ooh. episodes yeah we'll probably go into the enneagram yeah. a bit which is an exciting tool that is exciting. for transformation and understanding yourself self-awareness anyway all that to say uh yeah i mean one thing we've been talking about uh me and you is as humans are we primarily thinking creatures mm-hmm. or are we primarily uh, like loving creatures, creatures. right? Creatures, uh, yeah. creatures that desire things. So, yeah. I mean, I think like one easy example is like 
like how do you get to work do you like think about every turn that you take uh or if you take a train you know every hallway that you walk down every door you enter or are you just kind of on autopilot you're just right. doing those things uh, and what really motivates you is like your desires right mm -hmm. so desire for compensation so that you can you know support a family or whatever it is mm -hmm. um yeah i mean that's just a I'm just gonna leave that there. Yeah. But that's oh, go ahead. I, I just find it a little bit fast. Not a little bit, but I find it fascinating that in the the modern Western world that we live in, um, obviously speaking just primarily about you and me and, and an American context, but mm -hmm. um, in that context where again people try to separate emotions or keep emotions in check. Um, art is art and you know good art is still valued mm -hmm. right so the Oscars for right. example right. it's a celebration of good filmmaking mm -hmm. and it communicates ideas but in the manner in which they communicate that is what's analyzed and celebrated mm -hmm. so even in this yeah just western context where science is touted as the end-all be-all right. and the explanation for all things right. you don't need emotion or anything like that yeah um, and objectivity is so prized yeah stuff like that it, it kind of i don't know it makes it <laughs> it uh it's hopeful i think um to know that or i guess that idea is for me, it fills me with a little bit of hope. Right. Um, Humans can't get away from it, yeah. even if we try. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, and then one, just, I guess, last aside about art, which is also kind of an aside about culture, which is a lot of what this podcast is about, uh, is that it has a recipro uh, reciprocal effect mm -hmm. on those, you know, those who make it. So we we are affected by like the art that we take in and we're inspired and it shapes us. And then we shape art, which then in turn inspires and shapes other people. Mm -hmm. So it's this kind of constant, uh, we're being formed by art slash culture, uh, while we're also forming it. And it's hard to tell where one stops and the other starts kind of in that cycle. Um, so I, I mean, and even kind of, it also beg uh, like, also makes me think of the question of like what came first the chicken or the egg sort of thing like right. do we shape art first or are we first shaped by, by art, art. Mm. you know right because it, it couldn't have been both at the same time right you know right so that's a maybe that's back yeah, that's... in the days where they were drawing in caves they were like oh wow that's a beautiful woolly mammoth i should probably put that on a wall <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's I mean, that's how hey, it went down. That's that's the beginning of art. Man, look at that. That's yeah, a, man, that looks pretty good. That's a fine woolly mammoth. That looks just like it. We should draw it and then throw spears at it. Throw a couple more on it. <laughs> anywho, 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 we're off track. Anyway, but that okay. So so that's a good segue then. I think uh, if you don't have any more to add, to no, that, no, no, go. I, I think that's a good segue into. Um, I guess definitions, right? Mm. So we're going to be throwing a lot of different terms and designations throughout right. the episode regarding art. Um, yes. So I think it'd be helpful to draw some boundaries, I guess. Yeah. As to what we mean. Well, I think, so I guess we're kind of going to have a couple different categories that overlap. So 
essentially we're going to use the terms good, bad, and then moral and immoral. So good and bad is in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. And then moral and immoral is in terms of obviously morality. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not entirely happy with no, moral and immoral art, but right. I, I can't think of any other clear and, way to, and we're not, to designate yes. it, I guess. I think where we're going, we're not there yet, so it sounds like we're the yeah. art police. I don't want to say righteous or evil art. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Anyway, definitely not the art police. But anyway, that's just, those are the terms that we will, Yeah. because when we say good or bad, you might think, oh, they're saying mm-hmm. that that is good in the right. sense of righteous yeah, so don't get moral. us wrong so not that yeah when we say good and bad we just yeah. mean basically yeah. quality and there could be better terms to use yes right but for this episode at least that's what we're gonna right. be using to right. describe yes. what we're talking about so keep that in for mind. lack of better terms if you know a better one please send us yeah. in an email yeah subscribe to our podcast <laughs> yeah just a quick plug <laughs> also if you know of any animals that produce art out of the aesthetic oh, yeah i would love to hear because I, I actually was i tried been proven to proven to right. appreciate right i don't I know if there looking, are any studies i couldn't find anything yeah. i was looking i think dolphins are really smart or something but they don't really create all right anyway that's so horrible <laughs> i think Dol- dolphins are smart dolphins. or something <laughs> i was gonna follow that up with and elephants can feel emotion <laughs> yeah also whales all the big things yeah anyway Mammals. Okay. They're all mammals. That's true. Whoa. Wow. Okay. That's another thing for another time. Yeah. Anyway. So I guess that's, we say that because we're kind of moving into what does good versus bad mm-hmm. art look like. Um, and so one one of the things, I guess, um, that I've found just in my own enjoyment of art, and here's the thing, the nature of this quick aside, lots of asides, but appreciation of art is just inherently subjective. Yeah. So what I love and what somebody else loves can be vastly different. Mm-hmm. I think there are trends, you know what I'm saying? Generally, you know, there's like critically and, you know, critically acclaimed movies that audiences love. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not, I don't know. There's some sort of, something must appeal to, yeah. you know, at least the majority of people. It's kind but, of like food. Food is very much the same way. Right. I guess there are. It's kind of a form of art. Yeah, that's true. There you go. <laughs> See? But like one person can, I remember this one kid who would put ketchup on his potato chips. I never understood that. Yeah, that but to him, that was sense. delicious. People use ketchup just so much. I don't get ketchup. I, I don't get it. I never grew up eating it. Uh, people dip grilled cheese in ketchup, That's I learned. Disgusting. Just disgusting. <laughs> anyway. All right. The least amount of ketchup in my life, usually the better. On yeah. my burgers, great. Everywhere else, man. Yeah. The only thing better than an empty <laughs> bottle of ketchup, to me, is just an... No bottled ketchup. <laughs> I prefer my tomato tomato based sauces to be on my pizza and not be called ketchup. Okay, that was <laughs> off track. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Okay. 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 So here's, I guess, like I said, it's subjective. But one of the things that I think, uh, you know, might define or I guess differentiate good versus bad art is that good art. So the implicit and the explicit elements of said art work together to convey a deeper meaning than either could on their own. And what I mean by that is that the message of the art or the reflection or whatever is being, you know, put forth 
uh, there's a unity between that and then the medium that's being used. Um, so obviously there's different mediums, right? A medium is just, you know, um, uh, you know, a painting or, you know, film mm -hmm. or music or, you know, whatever. And obviously there's even different mediums even within those. Um, but I mean, so like one, one good example that I like is the film Memento, which has been out for a long time. If you haven't seen it, it's by Christopher Nolan. It's a great film. Anyway, the, the main protagonist has, uh, short-term memory loss so he you know it's one thing to watch you know finding nemo and you see dory and she forgets things every now and again it's like oh that's funny and obviously mm -hmm. it serves its purpose in that movie but in memento you're put in the shoes essentially of the protagonist so how it works is that the the story is told backwards in bits so you never know what has come just before yeah. spoiler alerts by the way Yes, but the movie's like I mean, you find decades out, old. Yes, it's decades old. You find out this. It's a, it's more so the mechanic of the movie than the plot of the movie, True. which is honestly why I like it. I couldn't almost care less about the plot, but the mechanic is cool in the sense that it makes you feel that short term memory loss because at the mm -hmm. beginning of each scene, you're in this, you're in the mm -hmm. shoes of the main character, which is what just happened mm -hmm. and where am I? Yeah, which is how he feels every yeah. time. You know that whole memory loss right. thing kicks in. That reminds me too of A Beautiful Mind, hmm. where like, so again, another spoiler alert, but <laughs> yeah, uh, what's his name? Steve or Ron? I don't know. I can't. Steve Nash? Dr. Nash. Yes. He's brilliant mathematician or whatever. And uh, the first half of the film, he's got a college roommate and a college buddy. And then halfway through the film he starts people start thinking like he's going crazy gets admitted to an insane asylum sort of thing and then you get to the realization he comes to the realization that um that this person again spoiler alert this person from college hasn't aged at all every time he sees mm. him but he has aged right and it starts making sense to him that this person is not real turns right. out he's got schizophrenia right but you as a viewer are wrapped up in that because mm. the storytelling has has drawn you in into that relationship into right. that friendship right and then all of a sudden when nash begins to realize that this person might not actually be real mm. you're freaking out as the mm. viewer too it's like oh it's my like, no, goodness cannot not be real yeah right so stuff like that where um yeah you're just enraptured in the the media right. or the medium itself and right. it's just yeah good storytelling right? right no yeah i think and i think it comes in all forms like mm -hmm. you know the, those are movie examples i mean music there's just tons of examples yeah. um you know just with what we associate certain intervals with you know artists use that to shape you know mm -hmm. the feeling of their song right or what they want to come out that happens right. all the time anyway so it just it happens everywhere <laughs> and that's what i think that's one of the key components for me where it's like you know you could have you know addressed you know i could have read a paper about what this movie is saying and i think it would have been like yeah that makes sense uh but when it's coupled with um a medium that also conveys the same thing i think man that's i guess for me that's when movies or art just resonate yeah. the most it's yeah. like wow
anyway, so that's that's one thing. And then I think another thing for me uh, between like good and, and bad art is just that it's in line with like the human experience. And so I think, you know, that is just true of generally of what we're experiencing, that it resonates, right? And I think that's one of the big, I guess, holes that like Christian art, at least recently, like within the past 50 years or however long, that's like the pit hole that we fall into is that no one relates to it. (laughs) So you got these movies like God's Not Dead and Facing the Giants. Mm -hmm. And it's just... It's just eye rolling. I could just so I remember going to Facing the Giants, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's just like this old Christian film that's made by Is it like a church that, that puts uh, out these? I'm not sure. The same guy pops up through right. a bunch of those movies like right. Fireproof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Anyway, it's I can't remember the exact what it's called, but it's these Christian movies. I remember my parents. Is it taking... Pure Flix? Or is that no, that's something. No, that's else. a different thing. That's a subscription service. It's like Sherwood. Is it Sherwood? Man, I don't know. Maybe one of us should look it up. I have a computer right here. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, so I remember going to it with my parents. And literally, even me as like a 11 or a 12-year-old kid was like... Sherwood. Sherwood, yes. Sherwood Pictures and Destination Films. There you go. Sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah, so, you know, even me as a child sitting in this film... I realize like this is clearly just not representative of real life. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's just eye rolling. Um, and it can, especially those can like come off as propaganda. Cause the, like I want, I got dragged to the first God's not dead film. Oh man, that was painful anyway. And it's like essentially just propaganda. Cause the Christian is always pictured as like good and righteous and moral. And then, you know, like in that movie, the atheist professor guy, he's like, Bitter and angry, and right. I don't remember what went wrong. Well, life. one of the key lines is, "Why are you angry at God?" Right, and Which that's we... the that's the premise for his atheism. Right, or the what you know that obviously that's what the movie's right depicting as, and that's where people have pointed out that's not atheism, <laughs> that's theism, but yeah. it's just angry. Anyway, well, it's it's the idea. So it's when I see uh, movies like that and kind of analyze it from that viewpoint, it's almost like. Um, trying to create an adult, not, sorry, not an adult film. <laughs> oh, to... Christian adult films, <laughs> the next phase in, I meant. in Christian entertainment. Um, trying to create. Cuddle up with your spouse. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> trying to create a movie for adults using a using methods that you would use for children's films where it's very clear cut like lion king for example yes right there's very clear good versus evil sort of even in the the color scheme they use mufa and i'm thinking about this now because the new lion king movie live action movie coming up but lion king every of the good guys are all bright colors but when you go to Scar and muted. his world and the and the hyenas, mm. they're all dark, muted colors. Yeah. So you've got his actions, you've got his dialogue, and you've got just the color scheme mm-hmm. that's um, giving you the idea of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing <laughs> that I see with these Christian movies. Right. 
right? So it's it's trying to communicate adult and and very deep concepts, but in a very shallow way. Right. And right. it's missing the mark yeah, each and every sure. time. And I don't even think that that I guess like the duality of good and evil. Like there's a lot of pretty good films that have a pretty stark sure. duality. But the problem is that it's like okay, I I guess I think humans in general have an idea that there are like like extreme good things mm. and extreme evil things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if, you know. Lord of the Rings, is it's yeah. very clear good and yes, evil story. straight up evil versus straight up good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even in that, like the good, like a lot of the heroes have a ton of flaws and yeah. there's people within. Yeah. So I guess that's where these movies where it portrays Christians as just good all the time yeah. and just struggling against these evil atheists right. and these evil Muslims or, you know what I mean? Whatever, yeah. whatever it is. Something that you said, there's just a lack of nuance right. in a lot of them. And it just doesn't ring true. <laughs> like, wouldn't it be interesting to have a Christian film that delves into like, just like, I don't know, issues in like the church, you know what right. I mean? Right. And like trying to yeah. maintain godliness yeah. while like confronting people that you know right. what i'm saying like and that's why where I are think, those films <laughs> right and that's why i think like superheroes like for the um for the christopher nolan batman films yeah the reason they were so successful is because because of the nuance there yeah right so even with even with the new superman hmm. movies right there's even from let's say Superman Returns with Brandon Routh yes. to Henry Cavill's Man of Steel. Yes. There, in Henry Cavill's Superman, there's a lot more internal struggling there mm. that you don't get with the earlier Superman, Superman like right. Christopher Reeves, for example. Right. He stood for truth, justice, and the American way. Cle- very clear cut. All of a sudden, <laughs> you get to Henry Cavill and he's struggling with his identity. Mm. Right? And mm-hmm. so... Regardless of what you think about the DC <laughs> universe DC's and the films the that they're worst. making, there's there's something there that audiences are pining for, yeah. and that's why there's relative success right. in those movies. Right. Yeah. Just like, I mean, that goes kind of beyond its characterization. At, like at that point, which mm-hmm. is what we could go into, but right. I'm not the expert in characterization. But yeah, I mean, I think it's that. It's that there's something in that that rings true. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think what worked in the 1940s or 50s, you know what I mean? Uh, like what you're saying, like truth, justice, the American way. Yeah. Superman's very straightforward. Yeah, I don't think it's the way people think now because it's more of like yeah. a modern way of thinking, yeah. right? And then now we're in a postmodern context right. where it's, I guess everything's challenged yeah. for well, good or for bad. Yeah, well, in between, sorry, just going back to a history lesson though, but yeah. like in between World War II, which is, is that the era that Superman came out in? I like, don't know. It's Captain America came out then, oh, but maybe, maybe Superman too. But just even the time between World War, the World Wars, yes. where it's very clear good and evil, right? Yes. Right. Through Korea and right. Vietnam, where it's like, oh my, the American president did what behind right. the American people's backs? Right. We weren't fighting for justice? Right. Until now, you see that reflected in film. Right. Well, that's what another. We're just showing how nerdy we are. I'm sorry. This might as well be called Nerd Hour. <laughs> Forget but, it. We're not calling this question from the queue. Yeah, just Nerd Hour. But uh, like to your point, so Captain America, right? Mm-hmm. Even in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, the first film is very like straightforward. Literally yeah. a red skull. Right. If you haven't seen these movies. Well, I'm a bit sorry. You should watch them. It's been almost a decade. Yes. We'll get to the 
point also. So that movie is very straightforward. There's a clear enemy. Captain America is clearly fighting for what's right. Mm -hmm. And then his second and third movies, he's kind of a man out of time. He didn't go through the Vietnam War. So he's like his ideals are still the 1940s. But then he realizes like the organization he's working for in the present now Mm -hmm. is not nearly as uh, morally robust Mm -hmm. as what he, you know, had would have thought of like yeah. the American government back then. Not that it was back then, but but either way, like the yeah, I guess the nuance or the understanding mm-hmm. of of right and wrong has yeah. changed. And it comes to a head when his alliances are tested, right? With right. Bucky, like what is he gonna do? Right. Like this guy's a fugitive, but he's also a friend. Like where does he fit in all of this? Is he gonna Yeah. There's yes. just I love that that's one of my favorite story arcs in the Marvel universe. Same. It's I don't know. At least for me, it's very relatable. Mm. They're very clear concepts. And for me, I still hold on to those that, you know, those ideals. Right. But it's the idea of where is my place now on that spectrum. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's really good. And that's why, again, that's why ah, the conversation between Marvel and DC. <laughs> I know. But that's why the Marvel Universe has done so well. Because right. it, like you say... It is in line with the human experience, where right. humans aren't just built. Um, aren't, humans aren't just composed of extremes. Mm. There are multiple, you know, levels of of complexity within the human psyche and the human thought and the human experience. Yes. No. Yeah, I totally agree. We're clearly Marvel fans here. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think that has been. Yeah. We should honestly just do some sort of superhero episode because I love super. So, you know, superheroes are for kids, whatever. The thing is, it's modern mythology. Mm-hmm. It's literally. Yeah. Still like, communicating yes. ideas that hold value for humans. About. Yeah. Anyway, so get into your superhero films yeah. and they will enrich you or, you know, whatever media, comics. Yeah. Anyway. So all that to say. I think sometimes Christian art especially, and and that's why sometimes films flop, is because they just don't hold true. Mm-hmm. You roll your eyes at them. It's, what is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so all that to say, art at its, at its best is something that we say around here a lot, um, which is kind of a, a quote by Emily Dickinson, um, is to tell the truth, but tell it slant. Mm-hmm. So it, it depicts truth in a way that's striking and fresh, mm-hmm. um, but still true. Yeah. And so I think that's that's kind of what we're getting at here yeah yeah and i think a a prime example of that is just comparing the literature of um J.R.R. tolkien author of lord of the rings um, and c.s lewis uh, author of the chronicles of narnia they dealt with a lot of the same topics of you know what to do with the fallen world its redemption um the depravity of of mankind, but they tell it in very different ways. Mm. Um, I struggle. I struggle to say that Tolkien dealt with it in a more adult way than Lewis did. Mm-hmm. Although I guess Lewis originally did write, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia as children's books. Right, right. Um, but really, the main difference between the two is the use of allegory. Mm. So Lewis is very blatant in. Um, the allegorizing of these, I guess you could say theological concepts, mm-hmm. right, of good and evil and, mm-hmm. and, um, and sinfulness and redemption. Um, Aslan is very clearly the good guy. 
there's no there's no doubt of his goodness mm. um i mean the line is like he's not a tame lion but he is good mm. right so that's mm. very clear mm. um whereas the enemies are very clearly evil right the white witch <laughs> right. right right so right. um it's very distinct mm -hmm. whereas with tolkien mm -hmm. and his characters um there's it's a little bit more subtle yeah um, and I think the movies in particular, um, you can see a touch of, um, a touch of modernity, I guess, with post-modernity, I guess, in the fact that, um, some of the characters are given a little bit more, um, are portrayed as having a lot more internal struggle than they are in the books. Right. Um, but again, it, even in the books, it's yeah. not a clear cut allegory right um like lewis's characters and right uh, and, or literally jesus who is right. aslan right literally dying yeah and literally being resurrected uh -huh. whereas <laughs> with with tolkien you've got a jesus character in gandalf right. you got a jesus aragorn. character in aragorn sam yeah they're kind of all it's sprinkled all over the place because right. like sam's the friend aragorn's the king gandalf's the guide you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying yeah. it's, which are all three christ yeah. figures but yeah. there's not somebody yeah. who's literally doing the things that Jesus right. actually did. Right. And I wouldn't say that, again, I struggle to say that one is better than the other. Right. Either. Right. It's just, again, different means of communicating those basic concepts. Because I can read, mm. I can, so Lewis was pivotal for me growing up. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and then as I got older, I got into Tolkien. Mm -hmm. I for, When I first started reading Tolkien after reading Narnia, yeah. it's like, I am so lost in this right <laughs> yeah. now. So I left it for a couple of years. Yeah. Then I went back to it and I thought, this is a beautiful story. Yeah. But then when I go back and read Lewis's Narnia Chronicles, mm. it still hits home, but at a different level mm. as well. Yeah, for sure. Because the, the nuances that come with age and time mm. are, um, are coloring my reading mm. of, of Lewis. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think both, you know, I mean, you could say one is more, you know, blatant, uh, which I would say like C.S. Lewis is more obvious, but it's still told, the story is still told in the way that it's compelling. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like a good modern, I guess those are generally modern, but a good recent example of this is like Black Panther, mm -hmm. which is very much so like an allegory for like white resource, right? And what we do with that, uh, which is, I mean, as we kind of said in our previous Black Panther podcast, go check it out, yeah. season zero. And the extended trailer of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the genius of it is that it puts uh, an African nation in the in the role, essentially, of, of white privilege and white resource. Anyway, so, I mean, but you're so caught up in the story that it's not, you white people should figure out how to help everyone. <laughs> you know what mm -hmm. I mean, like that, it doesn't feel like that at all. Whereas I'd say maybe some movies do uh, do feel like that, where their message is, it's a great message, but then the art and the way that it's told is not slant. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect nearly as well. Mm -hmm. I would say, which maybe this is unpopular belief, but I'd say the, sorry, you haven't seen this movie, so I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. I'll cover my ears yeah. and I won't listen to this part. Of <laughs> okay, <again>. sounds good. <laughs> I would say that Captain Marvel, there were times when I rolled my eyes because it was like, I agree with this, but it's just not being, it's not being conveyed very well. And it's, it's just in my face. And it's like, ah, I mean, I, I wish I could like this, but it, I'm just rolling my eyes the whole time. 
Anyway, not the whole time. I thought it was good. I thought it was a very average movie. Anyway, um, all that to say, I think when you like show something and don't tell, I mean, that's that's something we, we've been learning since we were kids on how to write, like show, don't tell. Right. Um, yeah. And you let the audience come to the conclusions. Yeah. And there's something to be said about calling us to something higher. Like, so just going back to Christian films right mm -hmm. i think the the goal behind that is to call humans to something higher and better and quote unquote gooder right right <laughs> you know to call them to something better right but it's doing it in a in not in a not so great way so a bad way i'd say right honestly. yeah no yeah i agree so it's yeah i guess that's where we were talking about uh I guess if we go back to those four categories of good art, bad art is quality, moral and immoral mm -hmm. is, you know, like morality related. I mean, there can be, there can be bad moral art, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's really like pushing something that should be pushed, yeah. but is also just not very, not very good. Anyway, um, so that's, that's kind of <clears throat> our shtick as far as the quality of the art goes. And I guess, you know, that'll lead in a little bit more to, I guess, the title of the podcast which yeah. is more so kind of that the culpability of the artist mm -hmm. and how like is there is there even uh moral and immoral art and i guess how do we how do we navigate that right that was part one of our discussion of the morality of art tune in to our next podcast episode as we continue the conversation mm -hmm.